Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Excuse My Language but podcast where we don't hold anything back. I talk real. I make sure whoever I'm with talks real. And nothing is off limits. We say what we need to say. If you don't like it, excuse my language. Alright, so let's get it. For this first episode, I thought I'd give everybody kind of a kind of a background of who I am, how I got to this point, and uh, what happened to me. So, if you're familiar with my story, these first couple minutes might be a little repetitive, might be something you've heard before, might be something on the day of that you experienced, might be, there might have been stories that you heard of that day, and hopefully this can debunk some of the myths. Alright, so... It was March 26th, 2010. I was a sophomore in high school. And I was learning to do a backflip for the musical. And me and my buddies um, were hanging out in the hallway. And we thought we'd do some some backflips. And the real reason I even went to attempt it was because the buddy of mine who was actually helping me learn it, wasn't there because he had told me not to do it when he wasn't present. And I know he's still upset that I did it that day. All this wouldn't have happened if I just hadn't did that backflip. If I had just waited for him and all that. I get that. But he has to know. I I really do think uh, all this has happened for a reason. And I think all of it... uh, has made me a better person, has made my family better, has made everyone around me who meets me with come away with a different perspective, especially than before my accident. And uh, I'm going I'm to try to explain all that. So we're there, and we're standing in front of my sister's locker waiting for her to get out of class. It's before cl- school is let out. And uh, we had skipped class just like the last couple minutes and just to get out early. And so we're at my sister's locker just chilling. And a uh, couple of us were learning. We're learning how to do backflips. And we thought, all right, let's, let's do one. So I, a couple of them, they, they didn't want to do it. They were like, nah, it's all right. They were about to, but then got scared. I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So I got there, I was standing there, ready to do my backflip. Uh, in my mind, I thought, alright, well, I got the whole hallway, so why don't we do a round-off backhand spring? Uh, if you're familiar with gymnastics and that type of deal, you'll know. Uh, round-off backhand swings, they, it's like you're running and you do like a cartwheel and then a backflip. And you know a backhand spring is when you jump and you land on your hands. You use your hands to protect yourself. And brace yourself before you actually do the flip. So, in my mind, I was gonna, that's what I was going to do. I was going to uh, run down the hallway and do a backflip. But then, as I was getting ready to do it, as I was preparing myself mentally to go ahead and do it, uh, the bell rang. So, everybody started coming out of the class. Everybody was walking in the hallway. So, I was like, nah, doing that won't work. I don't want to kick anybody. I don't want to get caught and like 
ironically. I didn't want to hurt myself. Uh, and so I thought, all right, I still want to do it. I still, I'm still pumped up. I'm still ready. So I'm standing there. I'm like, all right, I'll just do it right here. I'll just do a back tuck where you just do a back flip and squat. And while you're standing there, no momentum, no nothing. And as I was getting ready to do it, um, I just stood there and thought to myself, what's the worst that can happen? Well, <laughs> turns out some bad stuff could happen. And I still to this day believe if I had, if I did a round off backhand spring, I, this wouldn't happen to me. Um, because of that backflip, because mentally I was going to brace my hands, because mentally now I was going no hands and just doing a straight backflip, I, I believe uh, that's why I broke my neck. So I went and did the backflip, broke my neck at C1, C2, spinal cord injury, and now I'm paralyzed from the shoulders down. After that, I woke up about a week later. It might have been less, might have been more. Um, I know in the first couple days, they had me in an induced coma. That way, I wouldn't feel any of the trauma. Uh, still to this day, I don't, I don't remember the actual accident. A lot of other people, when they have a spinal cord injury, they'll tell you. They'll, they'll break down the whole experience. Uh, of breaking their neck, lying there, not being able to move, lying there and feeling helpless and lying there like they can't get up and waiting for people to come help them. Fortunately, I, I don't have that story. Although, jokingly, I, I do tell people that I wish I wish I had that accident on film. Kind of like a kind of like an ESPN breakdown. When they show a guy, like the guy at Louisville who broke his leg, or the guy just recently who broke his arm. Um, it's like, they'll show it in slow motion, and you'll just see it crack. Part of me wishes I had that on video so I could watch it in slow-mo of me, dumbass me, jumping like I'm about to put my hands out, and clearly just hitting my forehead, neck. Bending back and just breaking. I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that would be funny. I think that'd be awesome. But I know other people think that's probably disgusting. But fuck it. Uh, <laughs> that's me. That's that's what I enjoy. Yeah. I, th- I think that'd be funny. <laughs> so then after I woke up, about a week later, um, I asked them. Same thing I kept asking. Because I kept waking up throughout that week. Asking my brother. What happened? Why am I like this? And he would tell me. Uh, and then I'd fall asleep. I'd wake up. And I'd ask all the same questions. So then this week later, I wake up. I ask the questions. Except this time I'm taking it all in. And I still remember to this day. The very first thing I thought was, Wow, thank God I can get some extra time on this essay I've been working on. Because... You know, in high school, you're always chasing a deadline. Uh, you're always sitting there in your mind like, damn, I got to work on this. So uh, to me, it was like a blessing because I was way behind for like a three or four page essay. 
I hadn't even really started it, and it was my accident was on Friday, and it was it was due on Monday. But whatever, that was my first thought, and I was like, "Shit, that's cool." And I remember, like, I knew it was bad, and I knew it was serious, but it didn't it didn't really hit me, and it didn't really like settle in just because early on I still had tons and tons of people coming to visit me in those first couple days not even first couple days first couple months just people coming to see me making sure I'm alright and it felt good it felt good knowing that people thought of me people cared it felt good knowing that it wasn't it. it it gave me the feeling that this wasn't it. I was going to be able to go on and do more and do go back to school. Um, go back to doing all the activities that I was doing before. I just didn't know truly how difficult that was going to be um, when I, it first happened. So then while this is going, I am learning all types of new things in the hospital. Learning about my situation and learning about medically how I need to take care of myself. Learning physically how I can still do things and how I can still function. In more ways than one. Uh, how uh, figuring out ways to do things I would do before. Spent the whole time figuring out how I was going to go back to school, back to doing marching band, back to doing what I was doing every day. Um, before my accident, I was in marching band, played tuba, I played football, I was the quarterback, even though by high school I didn't start, it was bullshit, but whatever. Um, I played basketball, still, didn't start, but I was always good enough to make the team. <laughs> like, things came so easy to me, and things came so easy, that it was like, I would just... Kind of slack off with stuff. Uh, when it came to sports, I I never went to the gym. I I didn't like working out. It was dumb. I just wanted to stay in shape so I'd look good and not be fat and get girls. That was it. That was really the only reason I played sports and did mar did marching band all that stuff was so I could not be fat and get girls. <laughs> that was my whole thought process. So doing all that. Um, just wasn't in my, in my plan. If I was playing sports and the guy ahead of me was gonna try harder, I was like, go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna just come here and have fun. Like, I, I never didn't try. Uh, when I'm there, I'm gonna try. I, but I liked playing. I didn't like working out. That, that just was stupid. But, that whole experience of me wanting to be around people, me wanting to do different things... I wanted to do everything because in elementary school, uh, I didn't really do much. My mom didn't really have me in too many, too many extracurricular stuff. And like, I wanted to play football and didn't do that. So there was, by the time middle school came, I would, I just, I wanted to do everything, everything. Um, so by high school, freshman year. I played football, basketball. I was in the guitar club. I was in the ultimate frisbee club. I was showing up at jazz band randomly 
and playing whatever I could or dancing or just doing whatever. I was staying at the school all day, every day. And if I needed to go to practice and my dad was busy and couldn't take me, I'd walk to school. I'd walk to anywhere. I was very independent. Um, and I was always around around people just because that's what I enjoyed. I, I liked being around people. I liked having fun. And so when my accident happened, everyone at the school at least knew of me, heard something about me, something crazy I did. I was kind of a nut. I would just do stupid stuff. And so everybody at least knew of me. And uh, so later on, when that happened, uh, I remember my ICU nurse telling me stories about that first day of when I was in the hospital and just saying how there was, like... Just lines and lines of people coming to see me. And that just gave me motivation to get back to doing what I was doing. And we spent the whole time in the hospital figuring out how I could do marching band again. Figuring out how I could do all this stuff. And afterwards, I was able to go able to go back to school right the next year. Uh, and that year, I did marching band and I continued school. And all this stuff. Even though that first year, that first year was kind of a ghost year. I I was coasting through. I wasn't really trying my hardest. Just because I wasn't really aware of what I was capable of doing yet. But it was a blessing that school made sure that I could keep moving forward. And marching band made sure I could keep moving forward. And then that following year is when I really stepped it up. It was when I could really take my AP classes and strive for all A's and do marching band, go to every practice, every uh, workout, do every exercise, do every little bit that everybody else was doing and more because it was 10 times harder. Uh, everything was 10 times more difficult uh, for reasons. Shit, I might as well just fucking explain it. Like, it, it's fucking terrible to think of but like people always saw me at practice and like I'm smiling I'm I'm enjoying it and not and I truly am enjoying it. I'm sitting there getting to do what I love to do I just I'm happy doing that but getting there was sometimes very difficult there was times when I might shit myself and then I have to yeah, right after school I have to drive home, transfer into the bed, take my clothes off, wash me up, uh, get redressed in new clothes, and then go back to school and go back to practice and acting like, all right, we're good. Focus on this. And I was able to do it. And I was able to do that for years and years. And still am. I'm, I'm much more recouped now because it was tough because that doing that day in, day out, yeah, extremely difficult in high school. Um, and then by college, I was I was able to get into my dream school. Um, and I wanted to keep that going. That way I could still finish what I wanted to finish. But it got to the point, especially with my major. I ended up switching majors my junior year. Uh, got into my dream school, University of Michigan. Great. It's also extremely fucking difficult. Uh, and it's 
every class I go to, every teacher I talk to, every student I work with, I'm sitting there having to prove myself mentally because most of the time when people see a kid in a wheelchair or people see someone with a disability, they immediately assume that it has something to do with mentally. And you have to break that every single time. And actually, the biggest change I saw of that on campus, uh, my sophomore year, I worked on a committee with my friends. And one of the biggest things we accomplished was getting someone in a wheelchair, even if they weren't actually disabled. Who I mean, it would have been nicer that way, but it wasn't always. Um, but getting someone... In a wheelchair into the introductory skit that Michigan does at orientation every year. We got it to where they it's like this funny skit where they do every year to introduce all the freshmen. They do stuff like drinking and smoking in the dorms and like making it funny to where it's like, yeah, you won't really get in trouble. <laughs> but uh, this skit was everybody's introduction into what college life was like. It was the one thing at orientation that most kids actually paid attention to. And we got it to where a kid in a wheelchair is in that skit. And I was part of that committee um, bringing that to life. And I, I absolutely had to make sure that they put that in there at least uh, as far as an awareness aspect. Sure, it would be absolutely nice if part of the skit were included them talking about like different services that are available to all kids with disabilities including ADHD and all that type of stuff because most kids don't know what's available for them but when I talked to them I knew I knew I, I could get this part in got she was very short and I'm like all right let's let's just get this in and so I made it aware to her what kids need to see and they come in early on. And after that, it was actually kind of nice because I noticed the next year or two years later, I moved moved into a freshman dorm. Um, and the floor I lived on was fucking all freshmen, which, I don't know, it was all right. <laughs> it was okay. Um, it was very different from living in an upperclassman dorm to moving to a freshman floor, but it was all right. It was cool. They were cool kids. And But I noticed my interaction with those kids were way different than my interaction with the kids in my own class. Um, you know, freshman year. Because they, I don't know, I think I, I think I, I, I like to think it was because of that, because of that awareness. Because it was made aware to them that, yo, you're going to see kids in your dorm, in your life, in... Every day walking on this campus who have disabilities and they are just the same as you. And I thought that was huge. Um, what next? So then after that, I went on to graduate after the next couple of years. Throughout my time at U of M, it was absolutely amazing. Um, extremely difficult, but great at the same time. I wasn't able to do as much extracurricular as I was in high school 
just because I was so focused on academic. And I made sure to graduate, even though it took me five and a half years switching my major and all this stuff. I think it really benefited me. Um, but it, but by the end of it, by that fifth, fifth and a half year, I was, I was out. I was done. It was tough. So tough. From the time I was in high school, my senior year in high school, till four years into college, I was going hard. Way hard. And it just burned me out. I know kids get burnt out, but you don't. You don't realize, like, everything is extremely difficult for me. I can't take notes in class, so I have to rely on other kids to take notes for me. They might skip class or might not want to go, so then I have no notes. And then I'm just going off the book and going off what I remember from that lecture. And it's like, it's a disadvantage, or I'm chasing other kids who took notes in that class to try to find notes. Um, And then other times... When I would have homework, uh, early on I was taking coding classes and programming because I liked that. I thought I enjoyed that. But it was like coding in general, those classes are extremely hard and then they're very time uh, related. And for me, I get up in the chair at 9 a.m. I get in bed at 11 p.m. <laughs> and there was there was no time for me to be able to just stay up till 2 a.m. at night working on something, finishing on something, making sure I understand something. There was no time for that. In order for me to keep my body healthy, because I'm paralyzed from the shoulders down, and I have to do all this therapy uh, five hours at night, and as much as I think it's bullshit and as hard as it was, and uh, it's been worth it, because without that therapy, I couldn't go to school at all. I probably would have had pressure sores. I probably would have had all the other types of illnesses and things I was battling. But because of the therapy I use, it helped me tremendously get through high school, get through college. Um, and it's, it's a blessing. But all that just made me burnt out by the end. After school, I took a year off recalibrated I needed to reset now I'm about about a year out since I graduated uh, a little more and I, I'm I'm reset now now I feel like I can get back to doing that now I can feel I feel like I can get back to being my old self to being on top of everything making sure every moment I'm doing something productive I'm taking care of things and that's that's an awesome feeling. I, I feel rejuvenated. But that without that year off, I don't know. It would have been tough. If I tried to go straight back to grad school after that, that, that would have been fucking terrible. I'm just... Yeah, it would have sucked. But I break all this down to tell you who I am. To show you who I am mentally. And this is all the good stuff. This is all the good side. In a moment, I'll I'll tell you the other side. The perspective that was given to me after my accident. And the perspective towards me before my accident. 
And it's very different. It's very funny when you think about it. How people's perspective of me has changed from before my accident to after my accident. And I, and I kind of played into it. Just being fake. Fake all around. And me, everybody else towards me. It was bullshit. Just bullshit. And uh, I'll break that down. But So this is a reality I'll show you. Like right now, my voice is getting raspy. I'm on a ventilator talking like this. It is difficult. Right now I have a big ass towel wrapped around my vent. So you can't hear it. <laughs> um, my mouth is getting dry as shit. Um, and I'm about to take a drink. And I'm already two shots and half a beer in. So shit might get interesting in a minute. Because this shit's about to get real. About to get for real. I'm going to tell you how I feel about people. I'm going to tell you how it's affected me. Alright, we're back. Here's me. Refreshed. Took me a couple more sips of my beer. Some water. And now I'm ready to finish up. So, I wanted to tell you guys how after my accident, everybody saw me. Everybody saw me holier than thou. Like, everybody saw me as this, oh, he can do no wrong. He is this great kid who had this terrible thing happen to him. And through this time, I was becoming like a a local celebrity around my area just because we were having to do fundraisers to try to raise money and take care of all the medical necessities, which are astounding. Um, And especially if your accident isn't in a vehicle. Uh, If it's in a vehicle, well... You're pretty much made. <laughs> not not to say they don't have tough struggles either, but just saying my it was we had a lot of medical necessities and so we're we're doing all these fundraisers. Everybody's looking at me like, Oh, this terrible thing happened to this this great kid. He was so, always happy, always uh nice to everybody. And it, it it was like the way people look at me constantly telling me I'm inspiring which I appreciate but like early on I used to have no reaction I didn't know how to say thank you because I didn't feel like I deserved it um didn't know how to say I appreciate it because it just didn't feel like something people should have been saying about me and uh it was one of those things like when I think back to that time there had to be some people who looked at me and looked at how people were treating me and had to just be pissed off. Had to just be like, he is a sack of shit. Probably had to hate me. And uh, I, I don't blame him. Because before my accident, I, I was good. But I was also rough. I was, I was like any other 15, 14, 13-year-old kid just doing shitty stuff. So I remember before my accident, like... When I think about which people probably fucking hated me, I, the things I I regret was the things, especially the things I did to girls. It was it was all bad, cause it was like all through elementary school, I was this short fat kid. Um, I was athletic, but I didn't do anything. So except sit at home, play video games, and like. Didn't really do much, so I was fat and just not very attractive. 
Um, and then early middle school, still, still the same. Uh, I remember eighth grade year, I went and tried out for the basketball team and didn't make it because uh, I just I wasn't experienced. I wasn't experienced enough in doing different stuff and trying different stuff. Um, and then seventh and eighth grade, I started playing football. Um, that was kind of the shift. I started losing weight. I was no longer this short fat kid. Started getting a little taller. Um, started getting some muscles. And then by eighth grade, towards the end of eighth grade, it was like, I, I felt a difference in the way girls looked at me, the way people looked at me and stuff. And people thought I was funny. I just did crazy, stupid shit. Stupid shit all the time. Just to get a laugh. <laughs> I was usually a class clown just because, to me, school came easy. So I, I, and it, I started to realize teachers don't give a shit when you have good grades. If you're a class clown... And you're holding most A's and some B's, then they don't really care. They just kind of let you do you and get on other people about how they need to try harder. It's kind of fucked up. Um, so I was kind of a class clown. Early on, ever since I was little, I, I always said shit and that just was mean and I didn't realize it until afterwards I just had no filter any shitty thought I had came out my mouth <laughs> especially that eighth grade year was bad I remember uh, I don't even know if I should re-say some of it it just it was mean and then going so at the very end of eighth grade there was a girl a girl that liked me and I was like all excited because wow actually someone that fucking likes me <laughs> kind of a shock and so I asked her if she wanted to be boyfriend girlfriend we were like texting and this is back in the flip phone flip phone era so we were texting back and forth and all the T9 stuff and all that good good stuff if you don't know what that is you are way too young or way too old um <laughs> so we're talking and stuff over the summer and then later that summer I went to go visit my mom in Illinois and met her co-worker's daughter who I thought was absolutely gorgeous <laughs> I had a huge crush she had a huge crush on me um, we ended up uh, and this was also back in AIM time and so I got her screen name, what? <laughs> Just <laughs> stupid. If you don't know what that is either, then you're also way too young or way too old. Um, so we're talking and we're talking over the summer and talking back and forth. We end up hanging out a couple times that summer and like kissing, making out and stuff. And for whatever reason back then, I used to completely forget that... I had a girlfriend. Just didn't didn't pop up in my brain. Sounds pretty fucked up, but yeah, that that truly it was what it was. Uh, and then 
back then was also the MySpace time. Me and this girl are talking on my fucking MySpace wall. <laughs> and one of the girls who was friends with the girlfriend I had in Michigan um, messaged me and all this nasty stuff. And was like pissed at me. And I was like, oh shit, right. I forgot about her. And uh, I just felt, I feel bad even saying that shit now. But that that was truly how I thought. I It was like getting attention when you never got attention before. It was weird. And so the next year going in, into freshman year, more of the same thing, getting a lot of attention from girls. And, from, and now it's high school, and there's a whole bunch of girls I've never met before. <laughs> and I just did fucked up shit, like just stupid stuff. And so I remember getting ready for freshman year homecoming. Everybody wanted to have a date. Everybody wanted to take someone. And so there was this girl in our band class who was super cute, super sweet. And it was like, I'm trying to remember how it, how it went down. I think one of her friends uh, told me I should ask her to homecoming. So then I asked her. I believe how that's went down. But I had a, I had a crush on her all year. I was always looking at her. I thought she was cute. Um, and so we're quote unquote dates to homecoming. And so we meet up before the dance, take pictures. We go to the dance together. But as soon as we fucking get there, her and one of the other girls in our group go to drop off their shoes and their jackets. I go into the gym where everybody's dancing. And this was like. One of the last years of like grinding oh, a whole bunch of girls just rubbing their asses on dicks. That's that's all it was was just girls bent over touching the ground and guys getting boners. That's that's all it was. <laughs> and so I'm walking into this ugh, and trying not to pay attention that my sister is one of those girls. And I'm going going through it and I'm just like going and dancing with a bunch of girls. Just going going and having fun. That's really what it was. And once again, completely forgot that she was even there with, supposed to be there with me. And then like halfway through homecoming, one of my friends, the friend that told me I should ask her to the homecoming, came at me fucking pissed. And she was telling me how you came here with her, left her as soon as you got here, and started dancing with other people, never danced with her. And I, as soon as she told me, I just felt bad. Because once again, I totally forgot. I was there with someone and uh, just douchebag shit. Just terrible fucking shit. And I, I still feel bad for that. Um, and then later that year, uh, which was kind of crazy, I remember me and this girl. And it's crazy because... Me and this girl are, like, really good friends. Now, but I remember back then, she had a huge crush on me. Um, and I, I didn't, like, I, I liked her. I thought she was really cute. thought she was really sweet. But I just didn't all the way feel that way. So, I remember 
the girl. So I went to Winterfest with a girl, asked her to be my girlfriend. And the next day, I asked this other girl if she wanted to make out. Because the day before, I got into a fight at the dance. And the girl who I asked to be my girlfriend didn't show up afterwards. Like, she was nowhere to be found. And, like, it was crazy. All the people. The next day was the Super Bowl party. And we had people at our house. Uh, Obviously, the girl that I asked to be my girlfriend wasn't there. And this girl who had a crush on me was. And I liked her. And uh, all our friends, like, kept telling her to try to get with me. And kept telling me to try to get with her just because... It was bullshit that the other girl didn't come, I don't know, to my rescue, I guess. I don't know. It was stupid. All just stupid high school freshman shit. That's that's really what it was. So then this girl, we ended up making out. Making out that night. And then I ended up telling the girl I asked to be my girlfriend that that happened. And then we continued to date for about a month. We broke up. And then I went to go date the other girl. <laughs> it was uh, just bad. And then that, the sweet girl who liked me, who I wasn't all the way into. Like, I knew she really liked me. That was kind of why I said yes to dating her was because I, I really liked her as a person. And I really liked her um, in that way, so... I wanted her to be happy, and she wanted to date me, so I was like, all right, so let's date. Well, once again, completely forgot we were dating, went to another party, and ended up, like, making out with some other girls. And I don't think she ever even knew about this, maybe. I'm sure she could assume. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure she's listening to this, because we're friends now. We talk a lot. She introduces me to cool shit. I, I think her boyfriend's fucking awesome um and her whole situation seems cool and i hope she's not listening to this thinking i'm an ass but i remember after that after me fooling around with another girl at a party i uh was at home one night sitting in my room uh someone told me she was at a party and I knew one of my other friends who kind of had a crush on me back then, too. I knew she was at the party. And we were just good friends. And so she was there. I texted her and asked her to break up with the other girl for me. So think about that. I broke up with the girl by texting Another girl who was at the party and asked her to go ask her to break up with her. And it was just an asshole move. Fucking terrible. The other girl ended up calling me in tears and just sad. And I I felt so bad. My dad and sister fucking laid into me that night as soon as I told them. I was like this. I, I did something bad. And they both just told me. How much of an asshole I was. And it was bad. I felt bad. And honestly, the only reason I did it... I, I think that the only reason doing something like that would even come to mind... 
Because I remember the dating someone in middle school back when I was short and chubby, and kind of the same thing happened then to me. Uh, she had her friend come up to me and break up with me. Once again, still dumbass middle school and high school shit. And we're all over it now, I think. I hope. But when I think back to people's perception of me after my accident, I think about these people and I think, God, these people had to have fucking hated me. Just had to have. Had to have. Like, that's nothing but just fake, fake ass bullshit. Like, after my accident, yeah, I had all these people coming up to me, telling me, or not even telling me, telling other people how, the, oh, we were such good friends before my accident. Really? I had no fucking friends. We had one little small group of friends. All my friends were made through my sister. It, it was like, really? We were such good friends? God, why? Because we played soccer together? I never saw you once outside of school. Uh, and it was like, I had to think about all these people that I treated wrong. They had to just be pissed that everybody looked at me this way. And, ugh. It's, it's a terrible thing back. Like, it's just fake shit. Like, even after my accident, even I, even I fell victim to it. Because uh, the way that everybody looked at me, I started to look at myself that way. And I tried to start acting that way. And I started realizing, like, God, I'm, I'm not this person. This, this isn't who I am. This isn't how I act. Uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm not this sweeter, always happy, always joyful person. Like, I am. Like, if you know me, as soon as I leave the house, I'm, I'm smiling. Like, that's, that's my happy time. Uh, I enjoy life. I love life. It's no part of this accident. It makes me sad. Um, which is something I had to realize was different than most people. Because most people do have a sad point. But I, I haven't. I, I don't get sad. Usually I get mad. Because a lot of this shit I have to deal with is bullshit. Really. It's, it's all bullshit that has been thrown into my life. But I think all this bullshit has made me stronger in the end. I think we all are dealt with, dealt with shit that makes us stronger in the end. Especially when I think about how... If this hadn't happened... I I think things would have been too easy. Like, I, it would have been too easy to keep being an asshole. It would have been too easy to get through school. It would have been too easy to play sports and do all those things. Like, things came easy to me. I could do whatever I wanted. Before my accident, I, was, I, I didn't think I was going to make a varsity basketball. So I was looking at the list of sports that were in the winter. Literally saying, all right. Which one do I want to do? Because I'm extremely confident. No matter what I do, even if I've never done it before, I'll be able to figure it out. And probably could have, honestly. Whether it was wrestling, whether it was lacrosse, whatever. Didn't matter. Shit came easy to me. It just did. And it always had. It, it just was that way. It's ever since I was little. Shit just came easy to me. And so... This happening to me has made me a better person. It's challenged me 
in ways that I wouldn't have been challenged. And it's made me realize that truly I think this this is for a purpose. I know before my accident and shortly after, I, I didn't know what to think about God, what to think about all that stuff and spiritually and all that type of stuff. I'll tell you now, I'm very spiritual. I'm not religious in any way, but I'm very spiritual. My faith, you won't be able to challenge it. I I don't think you have to be Christian. I don't think you have to be anything. I I think there are plenty of atheists with really strong faith. (laughs) Um, I think it's possible to do all that. Uh, I know for me that whenever I think shit's going to go bad, it always turns around and goes right. And it's been that way so much to the point that I just stop worrying. I know things are going to work out, and no matter what, whether I live, whether I die, I'll, I'll be I'll be all right. <laughs> all right, side tangent. But back to the point about fake shit, fake shit people, like me included, and everyone around me. Because before my accident, I can tell you right now, me and my sister, majority of the time, we're on a Friday Saturday night, we're sitting in the living room on the couch watching TV because nobody invited us to parties. Nobody uh, looked at us that way. Everybody liked us from afar. I don't know why that was, but that's just how it was. People liked all the crazy, stupid shit I did, like coming out of class and belting, we are, we are the champions, top of my lungs, um, or on spirit weeks, wearing booty shorts and leggings. Or whatever, whatever it was. People liked that about me. They thought I was funny. But nobody ever, like, spent time with me. Nobody ever was that close to me. The closest friends I had were two dudes. One was my sister's boyfriend. And the other was a friend, another friend I met through my sister. And truly, I was just... The girlfriend's little brother. And those are my closest friends. So it's like, I don't... When I heard all that shit after about how people were so close to me, everybody wants to say how such good friends we were. And like, no, we weren't. We weren't. Like, that's just not true. Same way after, we're still not fucking friends. We don't talk. And, and one of the truest things I remember us being told was a guy named Frank Reynolds, who I believe has put the team together over the years to come up with the cure of paralysis, but because of political bullshit, hasn't been able to put it out and to actually cure people with paralysis. It's bullshit. But him and my dad were very close early after my accident. They actually tried to, or at least talked about, uh, shipping me out of the country to like Germany or somewhere to do his procedure early on because the acute stage within those first two weeks was what was the crucial point. Unfortunately, I was past that. How it was very close to that two two week mark, and it might not have been successful. It might not have been worth it. But he told my dad early on that year one to year two. That's when you learn uh, 
who is truly in your corner, truly in your life, year one to year two. And that was the biggest thing we saw. It was so true. Everybody can try, can say they're so good in that first year, going to be there for you, going to do whatever for you and try to be there for you. But then by year two, all those people just fall away, just fall away, just fall away. And you start to realize who, who truly is in your corner, who truly is ride or die, here for the marathon, not the sprint, who is going to take care of you. When shit gets tough. And I think that's true with anything. When whatever you have going on in life is truly difficult. The people that are really going to stick around. You'll you'll learn over, over time who those people are. So I realized the audio quality was kind of jacked up. My van was exposed and it was playing in the background hopefully it's not too bad you guys can ignore it but i wanted to fix that and then continue all right so continuing where we left off i think one of the quickest ways to realize who those who those type of people are for you is stripping away our fakeness our uh disingenuous or is that a word i don't know but uh, I think lately I've I've been trying to do that just short term in like social media. Like how often are we on social media and it's just we're just a shell of ourselves. Um, I've talked to people about this recently and I've actually noticed a difference in their posts because like my biggest thing is I want to talk on Facebook the same way I talk in real life. When I talk in real life, I swear a lot. Why? Just because I do. I swear a lot. I like saying shit and fuck. It's, that's my two favorite words. It just adds a little emphasis to what I'm trying to say. So I'm, however it hits me in my brain, that's how I put it. And that way people can really see me and see who I am. Like I have this joke that it's like kids our age, we, we laugh and make fun of all the like Facebook memories back from 2008, 2008, 2009, when we were in middle and high school, and it's like all these dumbass posts of like just shit that makes no sense, or just random stuff, hey, I'm going to swear, or it's like just swearing and just bad stuff, and it's like, okay, sure, that looks funny, but that was you at least, that was at least you in the moment being you like why can't we do that now why just because our parents are on facebook now we have to act like we're not human act like we're not us they know who we are they see us every day in real life like they know us (laughs) none of it's gonna shock them so that's my whole thing is just be real every day all day whenever anybody asks me something sometimes i can be too brutally honest and I'm trying to figure out how to filter that out somewhat, but sometimes it's needed. Sometimes I need to be honest so you can see me, so you can see how I how you're seen by others and everything. It just and that you'll you'll figure out who really loves you and cares about you 
because they'll know you truly. And that's my whole thing. And that's that's why I want this podcast to represent. That's why I want this to stand for is to being who we are and not worrying about what backlash we're going to get, what other people are going to say. Yo, just say it. Like, <laughs> sometimes I make bad jokes that are, like, way too personal. But usually when I do, it's... It, the person who's actually the butt of the joke laughs because they know it's true. They And everybody wants to feel like they can laugh at their own situation. Nobody wants to just sit there and say, oh, no, my situation is too serious. You can't laugh at what I'm dealing with. That just strips away the humanity. When you, when you say, oh, you can't laugh at that person with disabilities or you can't laugh at that person who's had some sort of traumatic thing happen to them or have has been down in their life and it's like then you're saying that that person isn't can't laugh at their own situation can't look at their life and see the humor in it and i think when you do that it's if you're not able to laugh at your own situation it's what what is there so that's my whole thing i i'm gonna be real i'm gonna stay true to myself and be me no matter what that means no matter what i'm talking about um yeah so going forward i i hope you guys can ask me questions on anything anything about me everybody acts like they're so curious about me but they're so afraid to ask me stuff ask me just ask like is it dating or sex or is it like my situation how I do things or why I do things the way I do them or whatever it is just don't be afraid to ask and actually that's that's something I want to I want to promote so in the first couple months um everyone who has an iTunes account or has an iPhone if you go into the podcast app and leave a five-star review, and in the review, if you write whatever question, whatever question you can think of, I'll make sure to answer it on the podcast. That way everybody can hear it, and I'll read it, and I'll make sure everybody knows what what you're asking. Just so you guys know, I'm doing that because in order for podcasts to show up higher in the podcast app, the more five-star reviews you have and the more views you have and reviews, um, the higher up you show up in the store. That way, this can build. We get more listeners. More can learn my story, learn about me, and I can continue to help others more. You can go ahead and follow me on many social medias. Instagram, Twitter, all of it is at Drew Claiborne. Go follow me and make, go ahead and message me, whatever, and whatever questions you have, and I'll try to answer on, on there as well. Those of you that are interested in my blog posts, go ahead and go to our website, thedrewcrew.org. You'll see the blog, and then if you're feeling feeling generous and you're able to, go ahead and hit do- donate at the top. And that'll help us continue doing what we do to show other people with spinal cord injuries and disabilities that they can still have a quality of life and we can help them do so. That's the first episode of, excuse my language, but 
new episodes will come out every week on Wednesday. I want this to be your your hump day podcast, help you get through the week. Whether you need motivation, whether you want to hear some anger and get some frustration out, whether you want to cry, I want this to be the spot. Um, next week, I will have a guest from very close to me. She called dibs on being my first guest, and it'll be my sister, Desiree Claiborne. She's a motivational person, a fitness person to help others out there with their life. So stay tuned.